you know, really, Roy mentioned earlier, not just I'm of this church, but I'm of the, the church. And if groups are already doing things, find ways to, of course, within the parameters of safety and caution, participate with them. Don't try to recreate something, especially in small rural communities. It's going to give you more opportunities to work alongside of other believers and uh, people who yet do not know Christ. And uh, so jump in and be a part of that, again, with all the uh, aspects of caution you're supposed to have. So let me just run a few ideas uh, by you that we've really seen happen. Uh, I was driving up to Pyramid Lake. We recently moved to Nevada, except all of a sudden the road was closed down. There was checkpoints by the area of the Indian nation that has control, as it were, of that area because of COVID have hit this group of people very hard. So there are churches who are beginning to respond to various uh, Indian tribal organizations, Navajo Nation Christian response team and other nations that are taking place. And if you live in an area where that is a key issue, I would, I would urge you to get involved because what we're hearing from some of those nations is that churches are not jumping in on this, that they're getting other organizations, but they're having a difficulty getting involved with churches. So just get a hold of an ITO, which is a, an Indian tribal organization to do with it. Another big, huge issue is farmers to families. If you go to the USDA agricultural marketing section, so just, or just type in farmers to families, food boxes, the government has put out gazillions of dollars, that's an actual technical phrase, I think, gazillions of dollars to uh, put uh, farm product into the hands of the public. Most rural churches can't do this on their own because there's a lot of qualification issues. But you can partner with people who are doing this. And your church can be deeply involved with getting food right from the farms through the USDA uh, to people in your community. I would urge you to look into that. And one of the ways you could partner is not only with other churches, but you could partner with school systems and other local agencies in order to have the facilities to accomplish that. Because there are certainly requirements. That program is now set to run to the end of June but it may be extended into July. Other churches are actually, as schools are starting to reopen, they're sending teams, especially in rural areas, where they're helping clean up the school, clean up if there are buses, to clean up the buses to help the staff do that. Because uh, a lot of smaller rural areas don't have that opportunity. Uh, other teams are, are doing gift packs for seniors. Uh, seeds planted, you know, forget me not, and with a card enclosed, non-contact, placed on a porch, uh, you know, just saying, we haven't forgotten you, we're praying for you, uh, you are not alone. Other people are supporting local business. I know one church handed out gift cards to people in a drive through food bank. They gave away various things. <laughs> gave gift cards to people who, to local restaurants. So those gift cards serve the purpose of also supporting local restaurants. You want to build up your reputation in your town with the local business owners? As a church, you start giving gift cards to their businesses to people, and you start building up really good rapport. Now, I'm going to stop there. i got about 30 other ideas. <laughs> <laughs> a little much. But, just, though, I mean, because we all know about the drive through uh, food things. We do that. I'm going to tell one area that's very simple and costs nothing. Recently, I read a letter, a person is saying, you know what, I, I'm sort of, they were just reacting, they were angry. I'm sort of tired of all the applause given to uh, essential workers, hospitals, and, and doctors, and nurses. I, I mean, I appreciate what they're doing, but they're all getting paid. 
they're all getting paid for what they do. I lost my job. I lost my job and I uh, don't have a job. I've lost everything. Or other people who say, wait a minute, I have to work and no one's applauding me. What I, when you go into a store, when you go into a restaurant, be incredibly gracious. Express appreciation for their being there. Express appreciation for what they're doing and just do that as an act of grace. Let your light so shine before the world that people give glory to God for your testimony. And so, um, okay, I'm going to take an offering now. So <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Somebody got a background coming through. Could you do me a favor too? Could you email me some of those connect those links, uh, the couple of the like the food? Uh, Certainly. Uh, yeah, and I'll we'll make that a part of the packet going out as well. Okay. Hey Brian, what what are you seeing in the in the more urban setting? Anything uh, stand out to you? What uh, what you're seeing? What you've experienced in your church in terms of reaching beyond the walls? Yeah, <clears throat> I think the biggest need that I've discovered in my community is um, with the children. Um, in my community, uh, the school is the babysitter, pretty much. Uh, a lot of children are in single-parent homes here, and the mother has to work. And pretty much sending the kids off to school every day is their way of, of um, uh, having a babysitter for their kid. So now that the children are out of school, a lot of children are at home pretty much with nothing to do. And even where some parents are home with their children they're not used to being there with the kids all day and they're running out of things to do so i think one of the ministry opportunities in detroit in a setting like in detroit is to be creative in finding some ways to help parents um provide uh things for their children to do uh whether virtually or, or otherwise and so I, i've heard some uh, parents express the desire for some um, um, curriculums that they can work with their kids on, something that they could do at home, where they can have school lessons with their children at home. Many of them, many, there's homeschooling is not big around here. So there's a lot of parents who don't have curriculum stuff at home for their kids, um, even devotional things to do family worship with their children. Uh, it's not something that people are used to doing here. So I think a great ministry outreach here in a place like Detroit is to be able to come alongside the family and give them some resources that they can use in spending time with their children while their children are at home. That's great. That's good. Yeah. So Doug down in uh, Florida there, what do you, what do you see? So one of the interesting aspects of, uh, I think the terminology <laughs> you used were, was that the, the walls to the church have, have disappeared during this crisis and the ability to reach out um, is a unique one. It's not that unique, but it's unique in that very rarely do we have the opportunity to do as we usually do. And that is gather at the church and go and do as quote unquote, whatever the banner of your church would be uh, serving the poor, helping in uh, particular aspects of the community. But all of our congregations are scattered now. And they're scattered in their neighborhoods, in their, in their workplaces, if they're able to go to work. And so what we're trying to do is to celebrate those circumstances where, um, where a member of our congregation is uh, buying groceries on a weekly basis for their next door neighbor, or um, 
a member of our congregation is providing childcare for a family that has to work and they have no place for their kids. So you've got this, uh, you've got a distributed kind of outward mission. And I think that's happening in all of our churches. The important thing is that we, we be able to tell that story, that this is the Lord at work through us in, in what shouldn't be unique ways, but are perhaps more magnified during this crisis. So just because the quote-unquote church uh, under, under the banner of a local congregation isn't going out and doing, um, it, it should be celebrated that our individual uh, parishioners are doing a whole host of things that they may not even recognize that they are ambassadors um, for Christ, that they are sharing the gospel in unique ways, that they are loving their neighbor. And so we're trying to do a better job of telling those stories and encouraging our body and letting everybody know that this is the church at work and this is the way the church should be working all the time. So take heed. Yeah, that's a good principle to share those stories. It really is. Mm-hmm. Ed or Josh, you want to chime in at all on any of this at this point? Uh, we have uh, we have discovered the analog version of uh, Facebook, uh, which is our, our driveway and sidewalk chalk. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, we have a we live in a neighborhood that seems to be. Uh, um, populated by dogs walking their owners. Uh, and there are uh, uh, lots and lots of um, folks that walk by and if, if we're, we just are out doing a, you know, some little chores, uh, you know, you get a chance to, you know, get a chance to jab people. Um, I have a true confession here. I'm, uh, I'm not really part of a small church at this point. I guess we're part of a, kind of a small medium church in, uh, in Phoenix. And, uh, Another true confession is uh, we had to kind of look at our own hearts and say, now, wait a minute, we're kind of enjoying uh, Sunday morning, not going, not to getting up early and taking a 35 minute drive to church. That, um, that well, wait a minute. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons we're feeling that way is because we're still connecting virtually with people that we have met and spent, time, spent a lot of time with face to face. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're kind of in the middle of the bell curve as when people are returning to church. Um, that's because I'm, I'm obviously I don't, you know, don't, don't have to be there because I'm working with world outreach, not, not pastoring a congregation. So <laughs> it's, um, uh, I think, I think most churches will get that bell curve that we've already heard mentioned. You know, there are, some that are, you know, come on, why didn't, why didn't we do this a month ago and, you know, and open the doors back up? And others, uh, they may not be back again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a, there's a whole big bubble in the middle that, uh, like my wife and I are, are going to say, okay, we'll, we'll let the church make, you know, figure it out for a couple of weeks. And then we'll, you know, then we'll, then we'll come. Uh, just, um, but uh, so anyway, there's been some interesting heart checks for us, but, uh, I don't know. Somebody may want to uh, see if uh, people want to use their uh, driveways on analog Facebook and put some mes- messages of hope out there for, uh, for the neighborhood. That's that's a really cool idea. <laughs> really cool. Good. Josh, you got anything? You know, for, for us, this has just been a season of 
you know, doing those things, kind of re-engaging missional practices. And um, one of the people I've enjoyed watching the most is actually my wife. Um, and mm-hmm. I've seen others doing it. We we're very blessed to live in a highly hiking friendly area. And uh, you know, to Brian's point earlier, uh, there's a lot of moms and kids out there that are just going crazy right now. <laughs> and so I, I've watched yeah. her just invite one mom and kid after the next to go to a couple of hiking places she knows that are still open. And she takes our kids and she says, let's just go out and hike for a couple hours. And they connect, they're outside, they're not cloistered together. Um, and it's, it's, it's a simple ministry, but I, I think it, it, it's, it's almost created the opportunity to just to try it out, to just invite people she never would have asked to go for hikes because she knows she's got the easy excuse. Uh, are you going as crazy as we are? Oh, oh, great. Well, hey, we were going to go hiking. Do you want to go with us? She hasn't had anybody turn her down yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's an interesting transformation, isn't it? Where that's an example of moving from, and, and I, I guess I'm ex- expressing a prejudice here, uh, point of view, but moving from a more programmatic uh, building central kind of ministry into one-on-one discipleship, evangelism, whatever you want to call it, relational kind of work that the church has always been known for and has actually been built on. Exactly. Right. So kind of getting back to our roots. Good. So I'm going to ask the final question of the team here for just a quick round of uh, response to this question. And so if you have questions, uh, you can start uh, using the chat feature. We'll open it up to you guys. And, um, or if you, uh, and I'll let you know if we're going to do a raise the hand thing, I'll let you know that. All right. So uh, for the team, the last question here, do you have, and if you do, what do you think the sense is among the people that you're serving and working with that the work that we're doing during this time is significant and and has has their sense of ministry work increased or decreased you know that this is really a that they grab hold of the the importance of this time and how this can truly be an opportunity to uh, explore new ways to minister has that increased or decreased do you think what's your sense of that in your congregations Are you asking um, how have our how have members in the congregation sensed the importance of 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 the ministry? How how important? How do they appreciate what we're doing for them? Or uh, the, their own sense? I'm sorry, the, the part of the question wasn't real clear. Um, that that the work you all are doing, whether it's you as pastors or the congregation in their individual ways. Do they? Do you have a sense that they see this as really significant, and and different than what they've experienced before in that regard? Yeah, I would. I would think so. Um, I know for myself, you know, this situation has caused me to have to um, go check up on people, come by their houses. You know, it's, we don't have rather uh, regular gathering time, so. Um, I'll drop in individually on different people, whether it's to uh, drop off some supplies if somebody's running low on things or um, take the time out to make a phone call. It's caused me to have to be much more personal 
um, and it has caused more effort. And I do think the people sense that. I think that um, I think they appreciate having a pastor. Um, I've had that expressed to me quite a few times that uh, it's it's a privilege to have someone who cares for them, someone who will pick up the phone and call, someone who will come and and see about me. So I think uh, I think that uh, at least in in my situation, people are seeing just how self-sacrificing pastoral work really is. Hmm. Good. Yeah. Josh, what do you think? Do you have a sense of that? Yeah, there's a lot of gratitude, I think. Um, And yet on the flip side, we've started talking a lot about this in the session that um, we think one of the great challenges that we have waiting for us is that folks have just grown very apathetic um, in our church and that there's, there's going to be a lot of kind of pulling people out of themselves again um, because that, and I almost think it's a coping mechanism. They've had to become apathetic just to get through this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so because of that, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can, you can wave a lot of wonderful things going on and they don't have the eye that catches it quite as, often as maybe they would. And so, I, and I don't know how that's going to turn out, but I, I know that's a big piece that our session's talking about is how do we, how do we pull people out of themselves now? Okay. Yeah. I would say that this is a difficult thing to discern. Um, yeah. I've had people tell me that they have appreciated my leadership during this, but I don't know that I've really had a conversation where someone has expressed that this is a significant time and what we're doing during this time is um, important. But I I would say I've received less feedback. I haven't gone searching for that, which may be maybe my fault just to ask some simple questions about um, not just to get beyond how are you doing and to pray for them to see if there's any needs, but to how has this time shaped you differently? Mm -hmm. I can speak on behalf of my session because we meet once a week. I'm I'm much more engaged in their lives. And there's, you know, there's been some significant moments as we make decisions together, as we pray consistently together. So I know what that group of uh, parishioners, the leaders in the church, it's been, um, very valuable and caused us to ask questions that um, we never thought we would ever ask. So, mm-hmm. so yes, from a leadership standpoint in the church, yes. From the general congregation, I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. So getting a couple questions coming in. So we'll just throw it out here guys and, and see uh, what we feel about this. Uh, someone's asked, um, they're dealing with the, uh, as you were, Doug, the surveys and trying to discern where people are in terms of let's open up now and let's wait a while. And the, uh, the willingness uh, in this congregation uh, to go mask mandatory, which some are, is about 50%. So they're leaning toward not meeting again until they can meet as a unified congregation so that there's sense of, the, of unity on that. Um, so the question in my mind would be, is, is that possible to reach a uni, uh, unified approach on all of that uh, in any meaningful way, in any time-sensitive way, 
Um, and if so, how would you go about that? Um, I will just tell you that uh, my wife and I, for the first time, went on a, a trip. <clears throat> we usually go on Sunday afternoon drives. And so uh, we resumed that this last Sunday because we were looking for some plants. So we'd waited long enough to put some stuff in the ground. And we went to uh, one uh, local uh, uh, nursery, large one. Uh, we had decided that if the, if the group that was gathered there uh, were mostly maskless, we weren't going to go. And that was the case. And this is a pretty big chain of, of uh, nurseries in our area. So we decided to go to another one. And that one required masks. And you had, to, in fact, I think they were taking temperatures at the door. But the line was really huge. Um, so we didn't go there, but we were appreciative of the fact that there they said, whether you're outside or not, you're going to wear a mask if you're going to come into our establishment. Same way at Lowe's. We went to Lowe's, national chain, big sign in front said, you got to wear a mask to come in here. And so that's where we did our shopping. But um, so it's, it's kind of interesting uh, to me. And, and this is a thing that's coming up more, more often is uh, congregations knowing they're going to gather in a small place for a period of time are really resistant in many ways of wearing masks mm -hmm. where businesses where they shop require it. So thoughts. Yeah, this will be uh, uh, our church in uh, the Phoenix area here uh, in, in their, their survey showed that uh, really 60% of the people thought everyone should wear masks and 40% didn't. Uh, the, you know, the decision at one of the session was to that everyone will wear a mask. If you don't bring one with you, uh, we'll, you, we'll give you one at the door. And, you know, we will seat you in pre-designated areas. And so, you know, a sanctuary that'll seat three, 300 or so are going to be 75 people in it and everybody wearing a mask. But and I was, I was surprised of the, so there are four out of 10 people said, nope, we don't think we, you know, maybe those, maybe those 40% are not going to show up. I just, I, I, I don't know, don't know how that will work, but I was surprised by the percentage, mm -hmm. but four out of 10 thought, no, we're not, um, not going to do the mask thing. Yeah. I would say four out of 10 is pretty representative of my congregation. Um, and I haven't been there that long, but, but I, I know I've talked to enough people during this, uh, during the time of COVID to know where the ones who are more adamant about not wearing a mask and who they are and mm. what, and so I, but I, so I want to be careful. I really do. And this is much more of a discerning thing than, than people might think. I, um, for, for those who are online uh, tonight who are in Florida, you know that Florida never closed churches technically, but the uh, most churches did close just because uh, gathering inside with a large number of people is foolish. And I think mo most latched onto that, but a lot didn't. Um, and so there's, there's, um, a sense in Florida overall, um, Roy, if I were to take your same scenario, um, wherever I went, at least half the people would not be wearing masks. Mm. Um, and so that, and there are some places that do require masks, but 
um, I, I think there's still just a, a, a sense of the population who say, you can't tell me to do that. You, I, you yeah. make me do that. Um, so we're trying to discern as leadership uh, this Sunday, we have crafted our directions to say, you know, the drill, this is just like going to the grocery store. And we didn't say masks required. We just said, um, we strongly encourage masks. And so we're going to see how that, we're going to see how that looks. Uh, if we have four out of 10, I don't know. But uh, uh, I think when you, when you state it as you are required to wear a mask if you're going to come into this worship center or this sanctuary, um, you're, you're going to end up with some interesting responses. Mm -hmm. yep. It might be interesting to um, perhaps speak to Romans 14 in believers preferring one another and um, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe as a something to try to talk to the congregation. We all know that the masks have become a political issue. Yeah. And so that's also a, a layer to, to be dealt with and with grace. And, uh, but um, I think, you know, trying to, to show people there's a distinction between a governmental mandate and a congregational care uh, and preference for one another is, um, is at least going to have to be addressed in churches. Yeah, I think this is important. This goes back to our teachable moments. Uh, this is one of those where where um, a a biblical principle and priority definitely trump. No, wrong word. Sorry about that. Definitely <laughs> supersedes, uh, and that's no political. I'm not making a statement about that. Supersedes uh, anything the government might say uh, at any time. And that's what we're really governed by. Um, king Jesus is our king, right? And so the scriptures are what give us uh, the parameters that we live by. So I'm, I'm thinking that in, in regard to the question, it's, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to come to any unified position. And this is one of the things, and I'll just express a, a preference here. One of the reasons I really like the Presbyterian system of government is that it, it has its really good side here, is that elders lead and make the call. And uh, we aren't congregational based in terms of our decision making. We are leading and we use the wisdom of the spirit and the discernment that God gives us in the scriptures to guide and to lead. That doesn't mean we don't take input and, and do the surveys because we've done those. But I, I think that it's, it's quite, it, it is a difficult place, but that's what we signed up for. It's what we, what we were called to in the church as TEs and REs is th this is our time and we have to exercise that leadership and um, we have a system that supports that so uh, just hope you lean into that all right um so good night this is going to be the last question uh that's being asked um let's see probably put these together so the question is, uh, there's a difference between thri thriving and surviving. Does anyone sh see their church thriving uh, during this time, rather than just kind of making it through? And um, so I'll just throw that out there. 
any sense of whether you're thriving or just getting it getting by? We're not thriving um, at all. Uh, we are getting by. Uh, however, I think we're also looking at this with the intentionality that the Lord makes beautiful many, many difficult things. And as we, we, we talked about this last week is um, we, it would be a shame not to come out of this season having really examined ourselves and asked, why are we here? What are we doing here? And how is this going to change who we're becoming? We, I, I think we have to see this as a sanctifying moment. And, uh, and that's, and that's on the leadership to help, you know, navigate that, uh, that picture. Um, but for, I, I'll speak for my church right now. We're not thriving. Um, but I think we're trying to narrate a story that's happening right now so that we can build hope because I think that's what, what a takes us through this, but B helps us to really come out of this, um, with, with the gospel at the forefront of our, of our vision. So. Good. Yeah, I think that's uh, good. What Josh just said, um, the same here, especially us, we're a three year old church plant. So we're definitely not thriving, but at the same time we're, we're hanging in, but at the same time, I think there is a, a bonding and a deepening that's taking place. Mm -hmm because we're, we're, we're experiencing going through something together. Uh, this is kind of like a, uh, a family affliction that we're all coming together to fight this thing together. Um, I think uh, we're having to, we're learning to appreciate what's, what we're missing now. Um, I, think, I think people are gonna come through this with a deeper appreciation for gathered worship and for fellowship. Uh, I believe that one, when we're able to come back together, again, there's, I know there's going to be a small minority of people who may lay back a little bit because they're still afraid. But for those who, who are eager to come back, I think there's going to be a deeper appreciation for the fellowship and for the gathered worship. And, uh, and even on the Zoom calls, I think that there is a, a deeper intimacy that's taking place because uh when we do our Zoom prayer time, before that, we all kind of give an update. We, we give everybody a chance to just kind of talk about, well, what, what have you been dealing with this week? How are you doing spiritually? Um, how is this affecting you? And people are speaking mm -hmm. from their hearts about uh, mm -hmm. some of their fears and about some of the things that they're dealing with. And it's causing us to get to know each other a little better because there's some some transparency going on there. So. We're not thriving, but underneath the surface, there's a bonding and a deeper intimacy that is that is beginning to take place, which I think is going to pay dividends in the future. That's great. Good. So I think that um, I think that both Josh and Brian, in what they just explained, though they began by saying we're we're not necessarily thriving, um, depending on their metrics. Uh, that's I, I think. Um, if, if the metrics were, are we growing in prayer? Are we more reliant upon the gospel? Are we um, developing leadership? Then there, mm -hmm. there is certainly a sense of vitality in that. Uh, we've, I've, you know, our congregation falls in the, in the same boat as, as, as Josh's and Brian's. There is a sense by some of our 
our older metrics. I know we're not driving, but I mean, I think what we've we've all learned through this is not only is there going to be a new normal, but I, I think there should be a new set of metrics too. How are we measuring our success? How are we measuring our vitality? Because uh, c coming out of this, we're going to be vital uh, um, in different ways. And so I think that that's the encouraging side of that. Are, are, are we vital from some of our old measurements? No. But are we vital in new ways? Yeah, we are. Hmm. That's a great distinction. And I think something that we can be encouraged by and carry forward. I was, I was listening to uh, Bishop Tim Keller this morning. Oh, I want to know. No, he, he's not the bishop. But, you know, but Tim, uh, he was talking about uh, uh, Psalm 1 and uh, taking off on, uh, you know, people are started talking about this, you know, COVID-19, kind of likening it, using some winter analogies. So is this, is this a blizzard for us? You know, we hunker down for a little while and we get back out just like, you know, streets are cleared and we're back to normal. And, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe it's a winter season where it's still at the end, it's longer, but at the end of it, you know, you, you kind of, you get back to normal. Maybe you're a little heavier, you know, whatever. Anyway, you're, you eventually get back to it. But maybe, uh, it's an ice age where at the end of it, there are significant changes uh, and the world is not the same anymore. Uh, and he's saying that the secret uh, in that, it doesn't matter whether it's a blizzard, whether it's the winter time, or whether it's an ice age. It doesn't matter if we are daily sinking our roots into the word of God. You know, in, in the, even in the winter time, the evergreens are green. So, you know, meditate on the word of God, sink it deeply into our souls, and we will be evergreen, even in an ice age. Yeah. So uh, that's, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a kind of metric. It's hard, it's hard, to put in, hard to put a ruler to that, hard to measure it with a number. Uh, but I thought, uh, yeah, that's, that's very helpful. You know, and I'm, uh, some will come through thinking, wow, this, this was, you know, the Lord really did some work in me. Um, others will say, wow, uh, that was, I, I, I wasted a lot of time, didn't I? Mm -hmm. You know, Netflix became, spent more time with Netflix than with the Lord. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure people, and that's, that'll be a pastoral thing, you know, even, even for our own, uh, you know, uh, even for those of us gathered here. You know, how, how has the Lord worked? Um, so one of the, um, I mean, I, I, uh, working with, uh, with smaller churches overseas, and I haven't heard a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm going to see if I can collect some stories and be able to share with you know, how is this affecting people uh, you know, out, outside the U.S. Uh, because a lot of those folks, a lot of folks we work with don't have the, um, you know, where we're hunkering down is pretty luxurious compared to a lot of our brothers and sisters around the world. Yeah, yeah Ed, I, yeah. Um, I read that article that Tim Keller referred to. Actually, I think it's authored by Andy Crouch. Ah, um, okay. And uh, the interesting part about that is when you consider those three spans of time, blizzard, winter, yeah. or ice age, um, we're, at that, we're, we're nearing that first demarcation point because the blizzard's about over. The, the big storm is about over. 
and we're about to now enter into the longer stretch of winter. So we, we almost are at that place where we can look back and say, okay, how did we do? Did we make it through the blizzard? Because there's some that won't. There's some ch churches yeah. and leaders that won't make it through the blizzard, right. but, but can still, um, you know, there, there's a lot ahead of us. Um, and will it be a winter or, or an ice age is the big question. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and, and someone reminded us that, um, you know, as we move into that time, uh, we have a lot of resources, not just physically in our, in our physical realm, but to remind us that we do actually have the Holy Spirit <laughs> at work in us and in our churches. And mm -hmm. we, uh, lean into him as well. And uh, we shouldn't, as I said in the comment, not be afraid of the new normal. Um, you know, so that's good. Uh, I will give you uh, one example. I was reminded uh, by uh, someone on here that uh, in our church, uh, we're going to try something new in terms of the opening up. Um, we are toying with the idea and probably will do this, that before we open up to everybody else, uh, we're recording our services on Saturdays and showing and, and posting them on Sundays. The first Sunday uh, in-presence meeting is just going to be the leadership. It's just going to be the elders. And we're going to be sitting there in, in that place. Two things. It serves the purpose of testing out a lot of the stuff and, and our processes and how we're going to keep people safe and all the routines that we're going to go through uh, in that. But I think it does show uh, deference and it shows uh, a willingness on our part to say that we're going to respect this. We're going to respect each other, the social distancing, all the things we're going to ask everybody else to do, we are going to do and set the tone for that. So um, just an idea to throw out there for that. All right, we are coming to an end as uh, if no one else has another question. Uh, if you want to raise your hand, I will catch that on my little handy chart over here. Um, if not, uh, then uh, we will begin to close this out. I do want to just recap a couple of things here that in terms of our takeaways for this time is that we are doing significant work. And, and as Doug just reminded us, we need to change our metrics a little bit in terms of how we evaluate us, our ministries and our lives as a congregation going through this time. It's not going to be the same metric as we did before. And so there are things that we're doing that are truly significant. And I want you, I, I, truly want you to celebrate that and I celebrate what you are doing in your leadership in your congregations to stay connected to do ministry outside of the walls I think there's stuff happening and it's good stuff that can be carried forward if we're willing and uh, to break down that that silo mentality that we all struggle with in our churches especially in America and reaching out beyond uh, our walls um, certainly the idea that um, sharing the ministry and, and delegating it out and engaging all the leaders in the process is really, really important for us to keep in mind. And, uh, and just the value that people place on, and then we should celebrate this and lean into as well. It is important for us to be together physically. It's going to be scary for some, and we have to honor that. And, uh, you know, we have to not judge those people who aren't willing to step into the, the new normal just yet. We have to pray for them, encourage them, and, and just stand with them in that. But um, the importance of being physically present remains. So 
it's good to be with you guys and, uh, and gals and just uh, enjoyed this time. Thank you for uh, being a part of this. I want to invite you to next week, uh, June the 4th, we're going to talk about a really touchy subject and that's facing the financial impact of all of this and how we're going to uh, deal with that issue. Um, the notes and recording will be available to you. I do want to encourage you, if you are a pastor uh, in the EPC, uh, if you're not a part of the pastor's Facebook page, EPC pastor's Facebook page, or the pastors of small EPC churches, there's two groups. Uh, please look those up and join them. There's some good discussion and good questions that go on there. Thank you for joining us. Um, again, we hope this has been helpful to you and will be an encouragement to you to all of us as we move forward. And having said that, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your time, all right? All right. Good night, all. God bless.